everyone, and thank you for listening to Piano Whisperer. On this podcast, we'll be exploring the surprisingly vast world of pianos and pianists. So please join us as we interview all kinds of interesting and talented people, as well as provide behind-the-scenes encounters with all things piano. And now, with our host and savvy piano guide, Ben Klinger. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Piano Whisperer. My name is Ben Klinger. On this episode, we'll be playing a really interesting interview from 2012 with concert pianist Mark Salmon. Mark recounts his unforgettable story of meeting legendary pianist Vladimir Horowitz, arguably the greatest classical pianist of the 20th century. Not only did Mark meet Horowitz personally, but he also was invited to the Horowitz home to play for Horowitz right in his New York apartment. Mark opens up the interview with a minute of music. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. To reach us, please visit pianowhisperer.org. My name is Ben Klinger. Our guest today is concert pianist Mark Salmon. Mark has been hailed as a heroic virtuoso. His performances have been described as powerful, astonishing, exacting, and evocative, dramatic, wildly imaginative, and touchingly lyrical. Mr. Salmon's performances have taken him to Europe, Asia, Canada, and throughout the United States. He has performed in Carnegie Hall and Alice Tully Hall in New York City, has been the subject of profiles in the New York Times, and has been featured in numerous radio and television broadcasts in the US and in China. Mark, thanks for being here. Glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about your life growing up and what led you to play. My parents were not musicians, but they were you know, really avid music lovers, and they actually were real pianophiles. I mean, the highlights of their lives, I think, were like attending concerts in Carnegie Hall. I grew up outside of, in Connecticut, outside of New York City. And uh, that was just an important thing. I think I grew up without, before I even knew it, they were always playing these piano recordings. And later on, when I was a pianist and kind of could think about it, there were always pieces that I knew somehow that I don't think I'd ever remember hearing or playing through, but it must have been from my earliest experiences, you know, with my parents playing recordings. Actually, it was my younger brother who prompted our family to get a piano. Uh, he's two years younger than I was, and he used to sit when he was four years old and listen to recordings for hours, and he loved music and knew all these pieces, and 
for me, it was just there in the air, and I had all sorts of interests, and I didn't even, you know, I just didn't question it. But uh, my parents got a piano, and I think my brother tried to go and play Beethoven sonatas and Schubert pieces immediately and found that they didn't come out when he just went there. He never <laughs> touched a piano in his life. And I, you know, my mother showed me how to read music and how the staff worked and where middle C was and all that. And I just enjoyed puzzling it all out. And I just kind of taught myself to play some little pieces very soon after we got our piano. It sounds like your family was really important in keeping you motivated. Were there any people outside of your family that were particularly inspiring to you? There are many, many things. And I think all the uh, recordings and performances I luckily got to hear in, uh, you know, in Carnegie Hall, Rudolf Serkin and Vladimir Horowitz and people like that were just huge you know, motivations and just made me always feel a part of that world. You know, also, I can remember luckily getting in contact with some uh, of the recordings of the real old-time pianists like Joseph Hoffman and Sergei Rachmaninoff and Artur Schnabel. And those, hearing those things, just that contact with another, another era was a really, really big influence. And again, I was lucky enough through many of the radio programs around New York City at the time. They would play these historical recordings and you know, my parents just out of curiosity got some and I heard them and they just you know, meant, meant a great deal to me. What did it feel like to be so inspired by these recordings and hearing these people? Can you remember what that did for you? Oh, well, I kind of remember the first uh, Joseph Hoffman recording that I heard. And uh, it was just put on, and I didn't even think I even knew what it was. And I just suddenly, you know, it was like your, kind of your ears prick up, and I had to go over to see what it was. I listened to it, and I'd never heard piano playing of that type before. And the emotions and the sort of the world that he could evoke with a few notes and with these gestures in it, I'd never experienced anything like that before. And it's like, well, I've got to hear all of this. And over and over again, it just took me someplace that I'd never imagined, never knew existed. I didn't know this was possible. You were mentioning hearing all these great artists and meeting some of these great artists. And you had an opportunity later on in your life to meet and play for the great pianist Vladimir Horowitz. Can you tell us about that? After I graduated Juilliard, I loved to come back to uh, David Duval's classes. He was like my favorite professor there, and he taught piano literature, basically my favorite subject in the world. And he was one of these you know, fun professors. I don't think he had any idea what he really was going to talk about when he walked up in front of the class. And he had this incredible experience and knowledge and knew kind of the entire history of piano and piano music. And he had a knowledge of pianists and recordings and styles and whatever like no one else in the world. And I think he just waited to see what, what happened that day and then he would just go off on whatever subject, whatever tangent it was. And so I'd go there because every time I would get some interesting idea to take away, some book to look into, some quote, some author, something to just give me other ideas about piano music. Anyway, I would come into the class and I always liked to play there because all the uh, students were all too, which I say, either shy or scared to play in front of a, you know, a room full of other pianists. But I kind of figured, well, what do I have to lose? And if you're going to want to perform, you have to be able to perform for anybody anytime and you can't be you know, afraid of anything. So it was, for me, it was just like kept my you know, performance skills in practice and I could try out new pieces and whatever, and David always liked that because I had interesting repertoire I'd bring in that maybe you know everyone else didn't know, and I was always investigating something. Anyway, one day, David uh, announced to the class, Mark is going to learn the complete transcendental etudes of Liszt, and he's going to bring them and play them for the class in uh, two or three months. And I sort of <laughs> sat back there and said, yeah, right. What are you doing? No, no, no way. 
you know, he's got to be kidding. And so I told him, well, suppose I did like the complete years of pilgrimage list or something like that. He says, no, it has to be the transcendental etudes. You're going to do the transcendental etudes. And I just thought, forget it. This is kind of, you know, he's crazy. Uh, the most difficult set of pieces by reputation you could ever think of. And, you know, people played one or two at a time, but to play all 12 of them in a sitting, I mean, forget it. But luckily I went home and I kind of thought about it and got out the music and looked at it and started reading through them all. And it so turned out that every one of these pieces I thought was so extraordinarily, I loved every one of them so much, I thought, well, you know, this would be incredible to play all of these great pieces of music. So I sat there and practiced the next three months and I learned them and I brought them in and played them for his classes. And it turned out at this time, David was one of the very, very few people who Horowitz saw with some regularity. This was, you know, Horowitz was in his mid-80s, at the end of his career, a notoriously reclusive personality. He basically saw nobody, you know, and had the same two people over for dinner every week. And that was his entire social life. I mean, he rarely, rarely left his apartment even. And David happened to be one of them. And every once in a while, Horowitz would sort of wonder about the rest of the world of music. Are there still students studying it? You know, do people even remember who I am? Do the young students know who I am? You know, how do students play? And so he asked David, can you bring some of your students from Juilliard? And he told Horowitz about me. He says, well, I have this one guy who just played all the transcendental etudes. And that kind of piqued Horowitz's interest. And he said, oh, yes, I'd like to meet him. And so David told me about that. And I had to actually write Horowitz a letter you know, introducing myself, and I had to give him a photograph. Wow. So, because I think he just, he couldn't just meet someone cold. He had to get used to the idea and see what they looked like. Did he like them? Did he like how they presented themselves on paper? And so I gave it to him, figuring, okay, this is just a, Horowitz was fickle. Nothing will ever come of this. But like two months later, David Dubal calls me up one day. I think it was, you know, over the weekend sometime. And he said, oh, guess what? Horowitz would like to meet you. And he'd like to hear you play. And he'd like to hear you play the complete transcendental etudes <laughs> tomorrow. No pressure. <laughs> and I said, uh, tomorrow, uh, can't he give me a few more days? And David said, no, tomorrow, practice, click. <laughs> That's great. And so I practiced and uh, brought all the transcendental etudes to Horowitz and you know, met him at his East 94th uh, Street apartment. You know, when I was there, I mean, obviously you could imagine the thing that would make you more nervous and more intimidated than anything in the world to play for this legend, the greatest pianist in the world. I, of course, went in and just comforted myself with the thought that, oh, Horowitz, he probably doesn't want to hear me. He just wants to talk. He's not going to hear me play a note. Maybe I won't even play anything. And so I tricked myself into that, you know, came in and we talked for a little bit and uh, talked about old time pianists and some of his sort of experiences. And he was quite interesting, very much the way he is in his uh, video interviews, the same, very, very the same person. Um, his wife was there too. Again, their interaction was very much the same as it is on all of the interviews, you know, really quite entertaining and very, very strong personality in her own right. And then, of course, he did say, well, I'd like to hear me play. And so I tried out his piano and played a, uh, a list piece, a late list piece that was rather simple just to get the feel of the piano. I thought it was something obscure and he'd find that interesting, which he did. Now, was um, this the piano? This was not the piano. Okay. Um, this was a piano, a newer Steinway that was on loan that he was keeping for practicing. And so I played this piano and it was the heaviest, hardest to play Steinway D I have ever played in my life. And I like to sit very, very low on the bench, lower than most other pianists. Um, but Horowitz's bench was about two inches lower than I like it. 
<laughs> and so I'm sitting here feeling like my you know, hands are like in, right in front of my face and on this impossible to play heavy piano. And then he asked me to play the F minor transcendental, which is kind of like maybe the hardest one to start with. You probably need to warm up a little bit. You know, it's intricate finger work and all that. And given the circumstances and who I was playing for, I got rather nervous and didn't play it very well. And as it was going very, very badly and I'm playing it, I'm thinking, oh, well, I've blown my opportunity. Horowitz will say a couple of polite words and dismiss me, you know? <laughs> and I finish and I wait to see what he said. And he was actually very, very kind and said, well, I can see that you can play very, very well with a lot of, you know, a lot of facility. And he seemed like a you know, very good pianist. And he understood the situation. He even probably remembered being there himself way back when. And that heartened me, and he asked for some of the other studies, and I think I played them you know, fairly well, and even played some other things spontaneously as he was talking about it, and ended up having a very, very interesting you know, conversation. He gave me some you know, tips on how to play technically and how to do certain things sonically. He played for me various things that he was interested in at the time, and then I'd play some things for him. You know, we'd talk about a pianist that he had known and met, you know, Rachmaninoff and Toscanini and, uh, you know, many, many other old-time greats. Can you remember any of the specific tips that he gave you? Do you remember anything that he said in particular? Oh, well, uh, just a few things about coloristic things and balancing at the piano. And then as much as he wasn't an extraordinarily articulate person, but, I mean, he just had to play for two seconds. I can see exactly exactly what he meant. You know, use of the left pedal. Uh, he, you know, told me a little bit about using the, you know, muscles from the back in a certain specific, you know, touch pushing inward towards the back of the keys mm -hmm. that he used in some of his gigantic quint quintuple fortissimos that, that only he could do do um, and showing how you use these very very big muscles to get these gigantic sounds at the piano and these are all things that I use that I use today that's a great story Mark thank you well thank you Ben thank you for listening to today's episode we hope you've been inspired to go deeper in your piano journey to learn more about our podcast, please visit pianowhisper.org. Please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcast.